0: Carrasco trending Twitter like a bomb, tens of thousands on his lawn, he's even followed by your mom, what? broadcasting live, here is your warning, the topics are flowing every Saturday morning, car talk like Sherlock, the guy knows wheels like a dial star. movie talk on the boardwalk, Shoot facts like a tomahawk, so entertaining, turn up the station, there's no more waiting, this show is beginning, it's too late to escape, let's go, here's your host, Red
1: nation congregates here every Saturday morning to talk about life for a while. Are you confused? (laughs) You're not alone. (laughs) As I sit here at the top of uh, the tallest building in Oakville right now, contemplating the lake and looking at the sky and this beautiful spring morning. It's not so springy inside my head, but that's a normal condition on the Carrasco landscape. What do you think, Nick? No, oh, definitely.
2: It's, I just think we, we can't escape, you know, the remaining parts of winter. Uh, it, it won't leave us alone. We're heading into May and we still feel it. Every time I want to get my motorcycle out on the street, it snows again.
1: What is this nonsense? What's happening here?
2: Do you remember a week and a half ago or two weeks ago when there, there was just a blizzard that came out of nowhere? Uh, you remember that, right? It, yeah, I remember. I was looking out thinking only in Canada would it snow that much on April 20th. <laughs> I know
1: it's a lot of good things about Canada. But anyways, if you just doing an end, you're one of those lucky ones that's still alive. Yes, you are alive. Are you lucky to be alive. I don't know. Yes, I love you too. Yes, I miss you too. Nice tattoo, by the way. And to that basement dweller that I'm sure is going to start listening to the show and send me emails like he does every morning. I think about you too from time to time. And the moment the show ends, I don't think about you until Saturday mornings. Everyone that listens to the show on a regular basis understands that there is a knuckle-dragging basement-dwelling troglodyte that likes to communicate with me via email on Saturday mornings. He's my biggest fan. I love you. You make me laugh. <laughs> the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and we are the home of the no commission salespeople. Yes, we're a one price store, and we have been a one price store for the last 13 years. I don't even know if it's okay to say this, but uh, there's an old saying that I remember pioneers always get the arrows. You know, when I started the one price policy about 13 years ago, everybody thought I was nuts. Now you walk into any car dealership and that's all they do. One price. You can call the show 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600 is the number to call. If you're looking at buying a car, selling a car, leasing a car, you're trying to decide what to buy, let me help you. I can help you make a decision if you're choosing between two different vehicles, call me. I'm ruthless. I don't care about your feelings. Do you have a trade-in and you don't know what it's worth? Come and see me. It has come to my attention that a lot of dealers are not paying enough money for the trade these days. I had a listener of the show that came down to see me. He had a RAV4. The local Toyota store gave him $19,000. I put it on rev, and we got $26,000. dollars are like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> what? What's happening here? I never saw the guy again, but whatever. It's too bad. There's only one condition, though. You need to have a thick skin. That's the only condition to call the Carrasco show. Because I'm going to be spitting facts for you. You know, one of the biggest flecks that I know is to show up every Saturday morning and just be me. Just because I can. No pretensions, no pretext, no agenda. Just me. And that is a terrifying thought sometimes because you hear things that you normally don't hear coming out of radio show hosts. You know, you hear the humanity on what I do here every day. This is part of my therapy session, believe it or not. You know, I, uh, speaking of therapy, I, I need, I need to say, I'm not going to say his last name because you don't need to know who my therapist is, but David, uh, I have been seeing this guy for about two years now. Actually, it's pretty much exactly two years. And, uh, I believe deep inside that every single human being at some point in their lives, will need to go and see a therapist. We worry so much about eating right and staying healthy and exercising every day and, you know, practicing martial arts and doing all these things for, for you to stay healthy and in tune. We, we don't do anything to tune up our mental health. And i tell you, there's a big difference between having tools to deal with life and having the skills to solve your problems. And everything comes from a sudden realization that everything is your fault. <laughs> so long as you believe you're a victim, you will never be able to change a single thing. It's your fault. All of it. All of it. Whatever's happening to you right now, you created it. So long as you think, so long as you think that life is something that happens to you, there is no hope for you, folks. No hope. It is a terrifying realization to come to terms with the fact that you are actually in control of your life. in as much as the way that you react to things because life throws curveballs at you and they can literally bring you down to your knees. And if you're one of those ones, it's okay. You're not alone. You're not that special. It happens to all of us. We all struggle with stuff. But the question is this, are you strong enough to say it's my fault? I caused this. I created this. I have a part in this. Oh, you did this to me. Uh, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. You know, we are so concentrated on the what happened or what is happening to you that we completely forget as to why it happened. And so long as we don't focus a little more and spend some time and effort and heartache and money in finding out the why, the what will continue to happen. This is why I like this show so much, because I know we are reaching every single Saturday between seventy and 80,000 slackers across the GTA. I went to the theater this week. I went to see the play Room. Shout out to Greg Walker, by the way. Greggy, I love you. Theater has an interesting effect on me. I was sitting there watching this play. And for the first time ever, I couldn't do it. The play was so unbelievably intense that it hit me on a spot that I couldn't deal with it. I saw what was happening on the stage and uh, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't go through that play alone. I couldn't do it. So I left before the intermission. Afterwards, I found out there was a movie about it. I may watch the movie one day just to see how the play ends. But uh, theater has an interesting effect on feelings, on the heart and the soul. If you haven't done it or if it's not part of your day-to-day or or something that you do on a regular basis, you should expose yourself to it. To hear people talking with the raw emotion on a stage is is cathartic. And I couldn't do it. Um, it it's, if you have the stomach to do it, go see Room. Uh, the the Mervich uh, Mervish Theater Company uh, is playing it right now. I couldn't do it. I can't. Get, I couldn't get through it. So I left. I felt exposed and. Raw and weak, so I couldn't do it. I want to send a couple of shout outs. This week we had some grassroots meetings at uh, Nissan and Infinity head office, and it was surreal to see people that I have known for almost 30 years now. Askar Molu from Brampton North Nissan was there, Jamie Patterson from Orangeville Nissan. Mark Falkenberg, Willowdale, Sahil Alta. I got to meet a lady by the name of Jennifer Chandler from Ajax, Nissan. Wonderful people. Some people are new into the scene, but some people have been there for a long, long, long time. And all of a sudden, I felt that I was part of the furniture. Nick Scroll was there, too. You know, being part of the furniture of a car manufacturer is, is such a strange, strange position to be in. It's like we are one of the old guys. I never really thought of myself as an old guy in the industry, but it was happening. Nissan Infinity with an interesting future ahead. Let's not talk about the ordering system, but that's a different conversation. So a shout out to everyone that attended those meetings this week. I was dreading them, but then I was happy I was there. I got to see the new product. It seems like electrification of the car industry is inevitable, whether we like it or not. I think it's a mistake, but I'm nobody. I also want to send a shout out to the people that made everything happen at Okta BJJ, which is my jiu-jitsu school. My partner, Luis, the professor, he's the jiu-jitsu brains of the operation. I'm just there for, for the looks. We laid down the mats yesterday and officially we had the first rolls. So if you don't follow Octa BJJ on Instagram or have gone and visited and you live in Oakville, you should probably do it. We're not even open yet and the school is almost full. That's amazing. The number of people that have reached out to me wanting to join the school is heartwarming. We will open the school and the school will almost be full. That's unbelievable. Thank you, Oakville. We love you right back. And this is the way Professor Luis and I give back to the community. He's actually going to be on the show on the third hour if you care to listen. It's important. This is how we give back, both immigrants making it happen. On the other side of the break, I want to talk to you because this is the hour that I talk to my brethren, the car industry, every single person that I know is driving to the dealership this morning right now. I'm thinking of you. You're important. What you do makes a difference. But I want to talk to you about how to handle month end. Month end is one of the most chaotic and hectic times of the month for every single car dealership. Essentially, is the time of the month for us. <laughs> the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And guess what? Until the end of May, if you have decent credit and you're looking to buy a used vehicle, we will give you up to a six-month payment vacation. You don't have to make a payment for six months. And if you... Recognize the fact that everybody wants to have their hand in your pocket. Housing prices, gas prices, food prices, baby mamas. (laughs) There is a safe place for you. We won't take any money from you for six months. (laughs) Let's take it to to a short break. We'll be right back.
3: All ladies pop your backs with it, with it, drop, with it, lean, with it, drop, with it, snap, with it. All my ladies pop your backs with it, all, with it, drop, with it, lean, with it, drop, with it, snap, with All my like ladies pop your backs with you it.
4: Across the street it's the cars
3: that have to look both ways <laughs> <laughs> i'm chuck norris and you're listening to the greg carrasco show
1: hi guys this is roberto alomar and you are listening to the one and only the greg
0: carrasco show Eh, so no one take it personal. not about done, you think we come for done? All me a feelin' send for the new gun. Anything test,
3: said We just fly off those head. Down the head. Don't mercy. Kill them. Look a deal, deal, deal a boy get killed. Look at you better sign on the will.
0: Look deal, deal, deal. boy get killed. Look a dil. Look, look up in the barrel. Ding, ding, ding. them way, go cut. them don't send for the ag-
1: And we're back. <laughs> You're listening to <inaudible> the Great Karabsku Show, Black Foundation of Real all <inaudible> <hard. inaudible> 289-275-9600. You know, when I left the theater the other day, Prince of Wales, theaters, I was walking towards my car, and I hear from across the street, Slacker Nation. <laughs> Gotta love that. There slackers everywhere. Subscribe. If you come by the store, come and see me. I'll give you a t-shirt so you can sport it. Then send it to me. I'll, I'll make you Instagram famous. But uh, I know that a lot of meetings in the car industry start at 830. So I'm going to try to you know squeeze a couple of points into this. Uh, before people go into a meeting, because the, the, the people who li- needs to listen to this are often the managers. So what I wanted to talk to you this morning, and I apologize to everyone that is listening to the show, because what I'm about to uh, to talk about is pretty esoteric. It will be understood by a very small group of people, but it can be applied to just about every other industry that uh, is in retail and you go on a month by month selling cycle. What is a month? And well executed. So here is the original thought. If you're doing month end on month end, you're doing it wrong. Let me explain. Some of the craziest time of the month, it doesn't matter which dealership you work at, it happens on the absolute last day of month end. Today is the day that everybody is running around, or maybe Monday, depending on the car manufacturer, because sometimes when month end falls on a weekend, then they give you the next available business day. So in this case, it would be Monday. This is the day that all the vehicle registrations need to go through because you need to hit target. This is the day that all the deliveries need to go out because that's how salespeople get paid. This is the day that all the accounting and commissioning needs to happen because all the deals need to go out to accounting and sales managers and general sales managers need to get paid. That's for sales. That's for the variable side of the operation. For the fixed side of the operation, today is a day that all the open work orders need to be closed. And if they're not, you're going to be carrying a lot of money through the next month in that does not look good. If today or Monday you are rushing to get everything done at the dealership, you are doing it wrong. About 13, 14 years ago, I got into the habit of having a soft close to the month about three days before month end. So for us was Friday. All the deliveries were done. All the RDRs were done. The commissioning was being done. So today and tomorrow is just a bonus. Whatever else we sell today or Monday is just simply a bonus that will be carried over into the month of May. Today is the last day of the month. And guess what? the month closes, it ends, it's finished. That's that's the actual name of the exercise that we all go through. But the number of managers and executive teams at car dealerships across the country and across across North America, they seem to forget that if you go into the exercise of rubbing Peter to pay Paul, you will always be playing catch-up. So point number two is this. If you're keeping the books open past month then, you are literally robbing Peter to pay Paul. This is something that happens very often, folks. Uh, Everybody rushes because you panic. Oh my God, I haven't made any money. The dealership hasn't made any money. We haven't done any sales. We haven't delivered any cars. Uh, People are going to start complaining they don't have a paycheck, especially if you are a commission-based structure, which we aren't at Oakville, but um, that's not the point of this exercise. So you leave the month open. You allow for your salespeople to deliver vehicles on the first, on the second, and the third, and the fourth, and sometimes in the fifth of the sixth that will go into the previous month. So they can catch up and deliver it on their pay plans. And they still get paid because we go on a 15 day cycle pay. So you leave the deliveries open well into the next month. Just to make sure that you make the previous month look good. But this is what happens. You're not making last month look good. You are making the current month look bad because you start on a deficiency. The problem is that many, many general managers don't have the testicular fortitude to say, no mas, basta, halas, stop it. So when month end comes, you should not allow it under any circumstance for anyone to deliver a vehicle the next day. April ends today. Today is when April ends for all business practices. The moment that you make an exception, the exception becomes a rule. What you allow will continue. This is very simple. I posted this on Instagram last week and I got a lot of response from this because it's such a simple thought. And someone that I adore said to me once, "Whatever you permit, you promote." This is even simpler. What you allow will continue. End of story. What you allow will continue. Ask yourself. You know, we're talking about business right now, but look at it in your personal life. Do you want something to stop? Do you want something that stop to stop happening right now because it's not good? Yes. So why do you allow it? The moment that you allow that one thing. Is the moment that will forever haunt you. So don't do it. It's called a frame. You need to have a frame of thinking. The third thing that I want to talk to you about is this. If you are doing all the commissioning on month end, I'm sorry, you're not efficient. You are not efficient. The moment a vehicle is sold at a car dealership here in Southern Ontario, and at, at any point for that matter, the, the clock is ticking. You should be trying to put that vehicle in the customer's hands as quick as humanly possible. Now, I understand that because of the supply chain issues, there are some time restrictions. Sometimes you buy a vehicle today and you don't see it for months at the time. That's a whole different conversation. And by the way, folks, um, the uh, banks have already uh, Raise the rates on financing vehicles. I think that they're up to 5.9, 6.9 and sometimes even 7.9. And uh, we don't see the rates going back down. So if you think that you're going to wait to buy that vehicle until um, business regulize, regulates itself, it's not going to happen, not, not in the foreseeable future. So car manufacturers are not incentivized vehicles anymore. In fact, if you can't see the vehicle, if you can't touch the vehicle that you're buying, there is a very strong possibility that you're not going to get it. Because unfortunately, we are not in a system in which you can order exactly the vehicle that you're looking for. It, It doesn't work that way. The manufacturer produces X number of vehicles, X color for X option code and so on, and they send it to us. You know, it's like buying a Rolex. You don't buy a Rolex. The Rolex store will call you. I dropped my phone again. You know, if it wasn't for my cases on my phones, my phones would all be broken forever. My poor phone. So when the Rolex stores calls you and said, hey, we have something available for you, you don't question it. You just take it. <laughs> That's the way it works. I'm sorry. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. And the same thing is happening in the car industry. Something interesting has happened. Car manufacturers and car dealerships have figured out that if you sell the vehicles for what you're supposed to be selling them for in the first place, you are actually profitable. Oh, my God. What a concept. (laughs) If you sell the car for what it was supposed to be sold in the first place. You're actually doing okay. And you don't have to sell hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vehicles to make that bottom line turn from red to black. There should be a theme song for somebody. I see a bottom line. No, I see a red bottom line and I want it painted black. Isn't that a song? There's a song, right? It's the Rolling Stones. Number four. If you're waiting to sell cars on the last day of the month, you're doing it wrong. You missed your window of opportunity. You've messed up. It's not it's not good. It's not good. If you're leaving your month and the outcome, the financial outcome of your month to the last day sales, you failed. Sorry, you failed. You make your month in the first 15 days. The first 15 days will determine whether you're going to have a good month or not. If you don't decide that that's what's happening at the time of the first two weeks, you will be playing catch up from from the second week forward because you will always try to make up for the deficiencies. So a lot of people go through... You know, whenever they get their paycheck at the beginning of next month, they relax and take the foot off the gas. That's not the way our business works. The only difference between people that are successful and that aren't, the ones that make it and the ones that don't in the car industry, is that very simple fact. The ones that make it never, ever, ever take their foot off the gas. It doesn't work, it's not a thing. If you are, you're lazy. Wow, Greg, that's so judgmental. You're so harsh on people. Yeah. After thirty years in the car industry, I can tell you that there are some very definitive practices for people that I have that I have observed. The ones that make it very simple—they never take the foot off the gas. It's a hard. You damn bright it is. There are some insane humans out there. That will not rest until they conquer the world. And the world will be theirs. There's no two ends of if, ends, or buts about it. Fifth point last day of the month, last to go through. If you put deals through for your salespeople that are not yet delivered, Paper deliveries, we hear about this all the time in our industry. The car is not gone yet, but you have the customer sign all the paperwork and all the contracts and everything is done. Collect the money, but the car is not done yet. Because you're trying to help somebody, you're not helping somebody. You're literally tampering with the pay plans of your store. So if you're a sales manager, behave like a general sales manager. If you're a general sales manager behave like a general manager. If you're a general manager, behave like a dealer principal. Only then you will be granted the opportunity to move up. But if the scope of of your vision limits you to only see what is in front of you and not what is best for the organization, because I can tell you this, if the organization is not healthy, you're not healthy. And if you're putting deals through at the end of the month, paper deliveries as we call them, you are messing with the pay plan. You are messing with the employment cost of your organization, and that will cost the company a tremendous amount of money. Don't do it. Number six, if you have 10, 20, 30 deliveries on the last day of the month, I'm sorry, you you, you're not efficient. You you're not good. You're not good. No dealership should ever have 10, 20, 30 deliveries on last month, on the last day of the month. You should not do it. You are stressing the delivery infrastructure or your organization, and you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. We're gonna take a short break, folks. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here on Saga 960. If you have a question, call me, 289-275-9600. is the phone number. Lex, take us to a break. It so
3: easy.
0: It's the yeah. No! Hello! <laughs> 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 oh, I'm Mm-hmm. Every okay. time okay Okay go <laughs> um, you want to you wanna g with the big boys Now you the wrong get it you the wrong get the let tell me who the
3: hoop, the hoop. Oh. All right. okay. What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture, and if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care.
4: Hi, everybody. This is Haley
5: Wickenheiser, and you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show.
0: Me gusta mi reggae.
1: It's a it's a it's a free place for us to have healthy discussions about all sorts of different things. But, uh, you know, from time to time, we need to uh, have some public service announcements. And uh, this is what I'm about to do. One of the most difficult things that we that we have uh, this day and age um, at at any place of employment is people. We can't find people to work. I don't even know how that works. (laughs) I I don't know how that works. I still remember when I first came to Canada. 1989 the first thing i did was look for a job first thing i found two sewing machine operator downtown toronto supreme quilting was the name of the place man that place was rough i was doing the day in a nighttime i know this will sound crazy i was a bouncer <laughs> i was always fighting with me. I was always a bouncer at Las Brisas nightclub up in Finch and Melvin in the hood. Those who know, <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, we can't find people to work, folks. So right now we have a bunch of openings at uh, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We, we are looking for a accounting person. payables, receivables. If you have any accounting background and you want to work your way up in a company, come and and see me. Send your resume to greg at gregcarrasco.com. We need a parts driver. If you uh, are a driver, if you are working like that at a place and you need a change and you want to work with a super, super chill crew and one of the best managers in Ontario, fixed operations manager, He's an incredible dude, Tom Kalsby. technical Tom. I love that guy, especially his hair, always perfectly coiffed. You need to send me your resume, a parts person. We need a parts counter person. So if you're working in a parts department and every day is painful, you don't feel appreciated, it's time for a change, you're thinking about it. This is your chance. If you know somebody that is unhappy wherever they are, tell them to come and see me. I prefer people with no experience. So, if you live in Oakville or the surrounding area, if you, and you want to work as a parts driver, a, um, parts counter person, or a junior accountant person, or a salesperson, we have some openings at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We're growing we are one of the most influential dealerships in the country. We're making a big difference. It's, you know, Oakville is tiny in relation to every other city out there and every other dealership, but somehow we're making a dent in the universe and people are coming down from all over Ontario to deal with the slacker himself and his crew because these people take their job seriously and they know exactly what is expected of them. It's amazing what happens when you outline expectations, clear definitions of expectations so people know exactly when they are succeeding and you recognize that you reward rewarded you endorse it and you look after these people if you don't look after your people people will look after themselves very very simple people math and that's what we try to do so if you know anyone that is in need of a change And I believe that there is over 60,000 people that work in the car industry here in Southern Ontario. I believe that that's what um, my my buddy Todd Burgon from the TADA said to me. Oh, and by the way, uh, we were supposed to have Premier Ford today on the show, but uh, um, I was talking to his aide and uh, we had a scheduling conflict, so he couldn't make it. We're trying to arrange for him to come on the 14th of May. So we're working towards that. And I also know that the... uh, Executive team at uh, Saga 960 is working on getting Pierre Poliev to come on the show with me so we can talk about life for a while. I want to apologize to Richard Serret because I was supposed to be on his show yesterday and uh, life got on completely on the way and I, I couldn't do it. If you if you haven't listened to the Richard Serret show during the week here on Saga 960, you're missing out. The guy is smart. I feel uncomfortable when I'm when I have a conversation with him the brain power just oozes out. What are we going to do for the rest of the day here on the next hour? Money Mike is bringing a super important person. Um, as you all know, money Mike is my personal financial advisor and many of you have started to use him over the last two or three years. And he has made a material difference in so many of the listeners of the Carrasco show. Um, he is bringing with him quite possibly one of the most important people in his organization. His name is Philip Peterson. He's the chief investment strategist for IG wealth management. I mean, this, this man has been on BNN. He's, uh, he's essentially the voice of IG wealth management. And uh, whenever you have a strategist on air, you get to see what happens in the background of wealth management companies. And uh, you know, someone said once that those of you who don't care about politics uh, leave their fate to those who do. And, uh, I believe the same principle applies to people who care about their finances. If you don't care about your finances, you're leaving your fate to those who actually do. And this is never a good situation for you to not understand what is happening in the financial markets, what is happening with your money, what is happening with your retirement. And, uh, I have always felt that guys have a huge vacuum of knowledge when it comes to managing their own monies. We are so afraid of saying, I don't know, that we often miss out on opportunities that we should never miss out on. Unfortunately, and this, again, is something that we discuss often here. North American society is very, really bad for this, and it, it, it saddens me to no end. We pay no value to the wisdom that we can get from our elders. You know, yesterday I, the father of a good buddy of mine in a previous life, when I used to be married, long, long, long time ago, Mister Hinton can buy the store. He drives a Maxima, and uh, he is eighty-five years old. And we got into this lovely conversation. I asked him, Mr. Hinton, if you could talk to a 50-year-old you, what would you say to him? It interests me because he's 85 and I'm 50, so he's got 35 years on me and he looks good. (laughs) He said to me, try to retire early if you can and don't wait to live your life. Are you waiting to live your life? But you see, the decisions that you make when it comes to your finances are going to determine the way that a 60, a 70, an 80-year-old you is going to be able to live their lives. So why are we not paying more attention to our financial future? I always felt that our school system here in Canada did a terrible job educating Canadians, men and women, how to deal with the future. We live in such an immediate world in which... The news cycle goes every six hours in which we are confusing fame with importance. When every time you talk to your friends, the only thing that we talk about is what Johnny Depp's ex-wife was doing on his bed. (laughs) And then you ask him how much money you have saved up on, you know, how much your RSP contribution room is. And people seem to know more about what's happening on social media than what's happening with their own finances. That's a crime. It is a crime, especially if you have children, because your children are being exposed to this on a regular basis. And it is our duty to educate our kids how to manage their finances. Are you talking to them about saving? Are you talking to them about compound interest? Are you talking to them about the importance of early savings and planning your future now? And I'm not saying that you should not live in the now because of what could happen 10, 20 years from now. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying to you is that if you don't look after today, there won't be a tomorrow. I have had this conversation so many times with people that I love. If we can do our today right, there won't be a tomorrow. There won't be a next year. There won't be a rest of your life. So, When we bring important people on the show, like this gentleman that's coming, it's something that we need to pay attention. We need to be mindful of. Have we prepared for what the future may throw at us? Because we never know. And as Professor Jordan Peterson says, it can always get worse. Trust me, it can always get worse. The question is this, are you ready? Are you prepared to handle whatever may come your way? So that's why we have... Our money hour. We all know that money is not how you get happiness. But you can park your G-Wagon right beside happiness. (laughs) That would make a lot of people smile. Right, Lex? (laughs) So... Today is about growth. Today is about embracing life on a day-to-day basis and making the best of it. Today is about silver linings. We even changed the tone of the songs today. There were some happy songs going on. (laughs) If you just tuning in, folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco show. The first hour is always dedicated to the car industry because that's where my area of expertise is. And um, if you are looking at buying a vehicle, regardless of what brand that is, yes, I run Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Those are my two stores. But you need to know something. The industry has changed. Don't go into a dealership today and try to negotiate. It's not going to happen. It's not a thing anymore. Don't try to go into a dealership and say, if I pay you cash, would you give me this? Cash is not a good thing at a car dealership. The chances are that they'll turn you down. Dealerships have the right to not sell you a vehicle cash if they don't feel like it. It's their, it's their business, it's their model. And if you don't like their terms, you can also walk away and just go somewhere else. You're not obligated to buy a vehicle from them. They're not obligated to sell you a vehicle. They don't have to. This is a, it's a mutually agreeable exchange. And if the terms are not favorable for either one of you, you don't have to do business with each other. End of story. You can read more into it if you want to. If you want to complicate your life and make it miserable by choice, sure, you can do that. But the one thing that I need to tell you before we go into a break is this. The shortage of vehicles is not going away. Please believe me when I tell you this, folks. If you're looking at buying a vehicle, don't wait. It doesn't matter what you buy. You don't even have to buy the vehicles from me. It doesn't matter what you're looking at, whether it's a Toyota, Honda, Mazda, Volkswagen, Ford. It doesn't matter. Hyundai. I heard the Hyundai stores are selling cars into 2023. Cars are pretty much sold out. So if you walk into a store and you cannot touch the vehicle, then you're going to have to be prepared to wait. If you're waiting for the car to croak, if you're waiting for your car to collapse in order for you to go out there and try to buy something, it's too late because we cannot provide you with new inventory. That's why a lot of people are buying used cars. Used cars are there. They have to be. And when you're buying a used car from our store and you got good credit, you don't have to make a payment for six months. That's a payment vacation. In a time in which there are no offers to be had by anyone, there are no special rates, there are no special incentives. When a dealership steps up and give you a six months of no payment, what? You should take advantage of it. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Lex, let's go to a short break and we'll be right back with Money Mike.
3: I got the
0: horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is mad it black, got the boots is black to match, riding on a horse, you can whip your Porsche, I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that Porsche, now can't nobody
3: tell me nothing, you can't tell me nothing, can't nobody tell me
0: nothing.
3: Hey, what's up, sports fans? Forrest Griffin here, and I want you to check out the Greg Carasso show. Check him out. Greg and the gang. Uh, Yeah, enjoy. It is
0: time! Karrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb, tens of thousands on his lawn, he's even followed by your mom, what? broadcasting live, here is your warning, the topics are flowing every Saturday morning, car talk like Sherlock, the guy knows wheels like a dial star. movie talk on the boardwalk, Shoot facts like a tomahawk, so entertaining, turn up the station, there's no more waiting, this show is beginning, it's too late to escape, let's go, here's your host,
3: Greg Grasco!
0: I've been a rich man, and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every f***ing time. Yeah! Uh.
3: Yeah! Uh-huh, yeah. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Uh-huh. yeah. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. uh uh-huh. yeah.
1: who know, know, those who know, look forward to this, man, that will expand your financial horizon,
5: it's in the house, Money Mike, thank you for coming back to the show, how are you? Good morning Greg, I'm doing well, doing well, happy to be up and uh, yeah, those who know are not my kids, they are uh, happily asleep not listening to their dad on the radio. We're rolling their eyes with the intro song, for sure. <laughs> hey, there's going to be another dinner around the corner. They're going to have to hear it again.
1: Uh, folks, if you are just in, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, although we are the largest automotive radio show in the country, we do bring some heavy weapons here to hijack our future in, in the best possible way that we can do it. Um, money Mike is my personal financial advisor. He is the only person that I allow to touch my money voluntarily. There are some other situations that i cannot help but we will not talk about that today um if you need to reach money mike you can reach out to him on moneymike.ca or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762 it's probably the most important phone call that you will ever make. actually one of my friends uh, cam asked me for your contact did you, did you talk to him um uh, mike i can neither confirm nor deny okay <laughs> uh, a good buddy of mine called me yesterday He said, Greg, I need help And it's this is great Because um, often uh, we, we think that we can handle things Until you talk to an expert And um, I believe today you brought an expert with you, Mike Can you tell me who
5: this special guest that we have With us on air this morning is? Uh, I sure can Like you said, uh, sometimes when you don't know You go to a source smarter than yourself And so... When people are asking me about what's going on in the markets today, I think who better to talk to than going to the absolute uh, highest level of that source. So, uh, with us on the show today is Philip Peterson. He is the chief investment strategist for IG Wealth Management. Uh, just to give you a bit of his back, very little bit of his background. Mm-hmm. Um, he's responsible for leading investment strategy throughout our organization and providing advisors and our clients with market research and economic analysis, but in a in an approachable way in, a, in an understandable way he's uh, he's been established as a thought leader within the wealth management industry having spent more than 25 years working in, in some of the most prominent financial institutions in our country and he's uh, he's got a bachelor of commerce from mcmaster uh, his cim chartered investment management uh, designation and is a registered advising representative across canada so i'm very thrilled to uh, to introduce philip to the show this morning good morning philip
4: Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. It's my great pleasure to be here with you.
5: That was
1: a big introduction, there, Philip. I, I feel uh, that uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't add any more. And. Uh... It sounds like you're very, very important. and uh, So, you, you know, whenever you have people that have influence over the lives of many, um, you know, it's something that we need to pay attention to. Uh, I, and I know that this is not part of the script and part of the questions that, that we had prepared for you this morning. But um, how do you handle that sort of responsibility? Because um, you strategizing on on especially on finances, it must be a tremendous amount of pressure on you. How do how do you manage that?
4: Well, it's a great question. And and when you think about it, you know, money seems to be such an important aspect to our lives. I mean, obviously you can't do anything or there are limitations to what you can do without it. Um, But when people think about it, it finances our homes, it finances our education, it finances our retirement. And so the way I approach it really has to be somewhat dispassionate, not discounting the importance of it to individuals, but really thinking about it in a way that takes takes emotion out of the investment strategy process and really focuses on the data and and the experience garnered over 25-years and really help people understand what is happening in the markets so that they themselves don't make a mistake that is detrimental to their future.
1: It's it's interesting that you say that because uh, in in our industry I'll, I'll I'll draw a correlation. Whenever we hire somebody that loves cars, they, they don't do particularly well. And uh, the the notion of the moments the feelings get involved, logic is the first victim. And uh, when it comes to money, then your emotions get involved. There will mistakes will be made. Um, how are you able to remove the emotion from this? But you know you are a human, and uh, inevitably you will have your own biases. In approach to this, how do you do
4: it? Uh, you have to be a data nerd. I think it really what it is, <laughs> what it comes down to. You, you just absolutely have to geek out on the numbers uh-huh. um, and and almost ignore the 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 percentages of the market and doing it when they're up or down. I mean, there there are elements to that that you have to pay attention to because they can tell you things. But I think if you trust the data, there's simple rules, Greg. I follow a few rules. One is vanquish fear and panic, right? So Mm -hmm. you really have to put aside, you know, panic or fear that turns into panic because that's when we make mistakes. Uh, The second one is avoid hyperbole. So anytime I hear someone say, well, this is the worst ever in the markets, or this is the best ever in the markets, we probably isn't right. So you have to remove yourself from that. And there's a lot of, I call catchphrase economics out there that um, is more about garnering headlines and providing good investment advice. So avoid that. Um, And really it is respect the data. The data tells us a lot. Um, Use multiple sources, uh, cross-reference and and corroborate everything that you see, Mm -hmm. uh, confirm it, um, but ultimately it it leads you down the right path of how you want to be positioned within the markets to capture the best opportunities in front of us.
1: So, when one of the biggest uh, drawbacks when people are talking about the markets is that they're uh, they're afraid of the volatility of the market. They're up, they're down, and, and no one ever wants to expose themselves to uh, a, a volatile market. So, can you speak about that and how that the volatility that we're seeing these days and in this year? What have you seen so far?
4: We've seen a. F- there a bit of volatility. It's been a decent amount of volatility, but I, when I look at it in the context of historical volatility, this is all quite normal. Uh, this isn't anything that I'm actually you know, concerned about. We don't like it. It's uncomfortable anytime that you have a market correction, like we've gone through in the United States and with, with uh, global equities. Canada has, uh, has been the outlier here, but anytime you see a correction where the markets are down more than 10%, or you have a day like we had on Friday where the markets are down by three in the mm-hmm. United States, it tests our resolve, it shakes our confidence and, and it raises questions at why are we even here if, if I'm going to be down like this? You have to take a step back and revisit what you're trying to achieve. Are you a long-term investor? If you're a long-term investor, then the day-to-day swings of the market really don't matter. What matters is, are you continually over- We'll call it a three-year period, five-year period, whatever it is, inching towards your financial goal. If your financial goal is within the next year, you should not be in the markets right? because we cannot predict the volatility. Uh, and If you're saying, I'm reliant on this money over the next 12 months, then great. It should be in cash. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often have investors say, well, I'm looking to make a major purchase in the next 12 months. Um, I want to make some gains, um, but I can't lose anything. I say, well, then you just have to be in cash and accept that there's no upside to that. So volatility, come back to the, the first point, is normal. It is normal. Now, what we have to distinguish between is this volatility because of just investor sentiment has gone from euphoric to pessimistic, or is it volatility because there's something more economically troubling in the uh, near-term horizon that we should be addressing? Right now, this is more investor emotions that's moving the market, not economic fundamentals.
1: so do you think that inflation, because we're seeing inflation rates that are higher than they've been in thirty or forty years, um, how does that affect the the sentiment that the general population has towards the market? and And where do you see the interest rates you know playing a factor into this?
4: Okay, so inflation and interest rates go hand in hand. When Mm -hmm. we have inflation as we're seeing, which in my view was a function of what the Bank of Canada did during the worst of COVID, what the Federal Reserve Bank in the United States did during the worst of COVID, which was provide capital to economies during the lockdowns, which was necessary, but the consequence is gonna be higher inflation. So what I mean, Greg, is the amount of money in circulation in Canada increased by about 25% from 2019 to 2021. So That's we were just
1: printing print money?
4: We did. We okay. we literally printed money. And the federal government doled it out, and whether it was a CERB or, or other grants or, or you know, uh, funding, to keep the economy going. So it was necessary. Otherwise, the consequence could have been uh, an economic depression, potentially.
1: Would, would you say that uh, Canada... Uh, put the Keynesian uh, economic principle on steroids for the last
4: two years. Oh, absolutely. But not just Canada, I would say. I would say most uh, governments and central banks around the world did it. The total amount of, of, of liquidity, but you know, capital into the global economy through 2020 and the first part of 2021 was $16 trillion. Trillion wow. with a T. and uh, That's just a massive amount. But so what's the payback? The payback is going to be inflation. We knew mm-hmm. this, or I shouldn't say we knew this. Those that understand money dynamics could see that, no, inflation isn't going to be transitory. It wasn't going to magically disappear and we were going to get back to 2%. If you increase the money supply to the extent that you did, you were going to see higher inflation. We've mm-hmm. seen this going back to Roman times, right? You devalue yeah. your currency, you have inflation. Um, so when you have that now, what the bank of canada needs to do is remove the emergency stimulus that was necessary in 2020 but no longer necessary in 2022 that's why interest rates are going up but the markets don't always like when interest rates go up and so there's an adjustment to valuation and that's that's the volatility that we're seeing today but again it's it's not out of the norm
1: but would you think that um, the the move the bank of canada is pushing towards higher interest rate is going to
4: mortgage rates Yes, it is. Anyone renewing a mortgage today is probably uh, on a five year renewal, is probably renewing at a higher rate than Mm -hmm. the expiring rate. And yes, that's going to pinch some Canadians. Is it devastating? I don't believe so. I think it will slow down um, housing price activity, but we still have a fairly significant housing shortage. In we this do, country. We do,
1: yeah.
4: So I think there's two elements to it. Is it going to slow down housing construction? Probably not. Is it going to adjust housing prices? Well, yes, because affordability has to come. Affordability is beyond the reach of, of uh, many new buyers at current mortgage rates. So prices have to come down.
1: Now, interest rates, inflation, COVID, pandemic, stimulus, there are so many things that are. The, the general population is being bombarded with. And now to add the icing on the cake, we have this conflict in the Ukraine. Um, how do you think that that will affect the way that people uh, f- in their confidence in relation to the markets and how does that affect you as a strategist?
4: So I hear I, I I've been getting questions on Ukraine and Russia uh, since it started and actually before it started uh, as Russia was lining its troops along the border um, and and Mike would know this as well I'm sure he's had numerous questions from his clients the uh, same thing saying what does it mean for my portfolio? I'm concerned about it we need to do something. The truth of the matter is aside from the impacts, the obvious impacts on oil prices which were heading up anyway, food prices which were heading up anyway, there tends to be a only a short-term impact from geopolitical events on the markets. Mm. And I would even say, look at Europe. The European equity markets are actually higher today than where they were at the start of the war. So it's a disruptive event, it's unnerving, it's, it's a tragedy in terms of, of uh, what's happening with the loss of life. Yeah, from a human condition, yeah. Absolutely, but from the market perspective, Greg, I don't know if you're if you're a Tim Hortons fan or not, but look, yesterday I still went to get my you know, steep tea with milk and sugar, um, and Boston <laughs> cream. So there are certain things that it doesn't change.
1: Yeah, for sure.
4: And there are certain benefits that actually come of it, and this is why you know the the Canadian stock market, for example, has actually outperformed the U.S. stock market and is you know, almost flat on the year because as oil prices go up, someone's going to benefit. Guess what? It's the Canadian energy producers that are benefiting from that. It's the whole of the Canadian market that's benefiting from that. So there aren't always negative consequences to some of the geopolitical well, events. In some cases, yeah. there are positive yeah. consequences.
1: So, you know, in a more from a tactical standpoint, um, what do you think the reason is? Is this the reason why the equity markets are doing better in Europe than they were doing before the war?
4: My view is the equity markets in Europe are doing better because valuation is far more attractive and investors recognize that this is a disruptive event. And and once at some point there will be a resolution to this, we will remove that cloud of uncertainty. And I think the European equity markets uh, have a uh, a significant uh, potential uh, towards the upside over the course of the next say one to three years.
5: There always seems to be some sort of history of that when it, with any sort of market drop, isn't there? The the prices on stocks get so low that the institutional investors say, I can't ignore buying this stock at that price. As you said, it's, it's a short-term effect. I've got to get back in. So it gets sort of a price support at a certain level, doesn't it?
4: Exactly. And I think that's what's happened with the energy uh, complex is that, energy stocks, pre the most recent inflation, valuation was just falling lower and lower and lower because you had so many investors saying, I do not want to touch fossil fuels, that it got to the point where it was hard to ignore. and Then we've seen oil prices rebound and energy stocks shoot up significantly as a result. I think the same thing is playing out in Europe. The US is well behind. US is still expensive. Technology is still expensive. But in Europe, you're seeing European valuations at very attractive levels. And when you get the updates, there's strong updates. And as I said, the market is higher today than where we were at the start of the war. That's recognition of value.
1: You know, there are so many questions that that, that I have for you in relation to this because uh, talking to a strategist, it's, uh, it's impossible not to want to pick your brain and, and see how do you come up with this. But, uh, you know, there are other things about... You know, the guests that I have on the show that are that interest me a great deal. Uh, do you play the guitar?
4: I do. <laughs>
1: and uh, Is that, is that your, your baby in the background? Uh, folks, uh, you know, is, is, this is the theater of the mind. Uh, we, we run a Zoom call every Saturday morning here. And all my guests, uh, we talk uh, through Zoom. It's, it's, it's important to see um, the neuro-linguistic interaction of the guests on, on, on the screen, which is great. Uh, how long have you been playing guitar and what do you prefer to play?
4: Oh, so uh, I prefer to play acoustic. The electric you see behind me you know, needs to be dusted off a little bit. I've been playing for about 20 years. I should say I've been playing poorly for about 20 years. Um, and it's just, for me, it's, it's a way of unwinding.
1: It, it is a fascinating combination, though, because a lot of people that are data nerds and data-driven, uh, their artistic side is not highly developed so this is an interesting combination that you have have you heard that before
4: i have but you know it's funny when i think about uh, um about the guitar i mean i see it as as uh, a math equation i mean the scale is mathematical and chords are mathematical and so i I, perhaps i see the numbers inside of the music (laughs) of
1: course you look at it that way you know i i started playing guitar when i was six but um i don't know how to read music i play by ear And uh, because I'm not a math person, I'm not a data nerd, and uh, I just like to play it by feel. I'm a holistic player. And uh, I always joke that I use the guitar to drown out the horrible sound of my voice. But that's a whole different conversation. Now, the other question that I have for you, that poster, the Stockholm in the back. Yes. Can you tell me what that means?
4: Oh, it was actually um, a gift from uh, my father-in-law. So my wife is was born in Stockholm. I uh-huh. uh, grew up in Canada, but born in Stockholm. Her dad uh, grew up in Stockholm. And um, so we took the family back there. There was a bit of a family reunion, I would say, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, and as just one of the, uh, I would say, souvenirs, you know, uh, my father-in-law brought that over one one day and said, here you go, as something to remember Stockholm by.
1: That's awesome. How long have you been doing this? I mean, at at what point in your life, um, you know, you as a a human decided, I'm going to get into finance. And I think that I have the aptitude to to lead an organization. And I know that often that happens organically, but uh, how long have
4: you been in the industry? So I've been in the industry 28 years now, and I would say I fell into it by accident, to be honest with you. When I came out of university, I wanted to get into consumer packaged goods. I wanted to, you know, um, market toys and and or beer or, you know, um, uh, work for one of the big, uh, big companies like Procter and Gamble or, or uh, Kraft General Foods at the time. Um, but I also came out of school when uh, there was a pretty we were just coming out of a pretty bad recession in Ontario uh, in mm-hmm. the early 90s. And there weren't yeah, a lot the of jobs to Ray days, at. I remember. Exactly. I was weren't a new a lot
1: immigrant of... at the time. Oh, <laughs> I know what you mean.
4: Exactly. It, was, it wasn't a great time to be graduating. It wasn't a great time to be looking for a job. Um, and so I just fell into it, to be honest with you. I was working. I started working for an advisor. And then from that, um, uh, kind of meandered through the financial services realm. I, I worked on the marketing side. I worked on the sales side. I worked on the institutional uh, side. And then it was about, uh, call it, I'd say 15 years ago or so, um, kind of started shifting towards strategy. And again, it was something that I just kind of fell into. Mm -hmm. Um, And through that, I had a, a number of really, really good mentors that, I had been influenced by, I have been influenced by, in terms of developing a process for understanding what's going on around the world. That's what I've been doing for the last uh, 15 years, or certainly almost the last half of my career. And it's getting those 10,000 hours of expertise so that uh, you have some confidence in in the forecasts, recommendations, insight that now I present to consultants and clients. The
1: Japanese have a term for that, it's called the shokunen. You know, whenever you achieve a level of mastery after the 10,000 hours, only then you can claim mastery of any sort. And, you know, I like to think that I'm a student of the car industry, and uh, I spend so much time talking about cars that from time to time, I welcome questions that aren't so much about that. Uh, And it can get tedious at times. So whenever you go to BNN or you are in any TV channel they ask you all sorts of very insightful questions about the markets and we're going to get back to that but uh, i also like to know the man so here's a question that i ask most of my guests what are you reading right now
4: oh to be honest with you um other than and research reports uh I haven't been reading a lot on it, and I need to get back to read a book. And I have about three books uh, to to continue to work through. But one that I thought was quite interesting, that I'll just mention to you, is called yep. "The Ends of the World." Okay, and it's it really covers the uh, five mass extinctions of um, what uh, of the Earth that have happened over over many years, and and it draws the correlation to what's happening, or the or the comparison to what's happening right now, where. The uh, the five lap mass extinctions that have occurred in the past really occurred because the carbon levels got too high uh, on Earth, and so the the message in the book is that we're headed there. If we don't change what we're doing, we're headed there, um, and we're gonna. And the mass extinction doesn't happen overnight; it happens over thousands of years, but eventually it happens. And so that's that's one that I, I want to continue to pick up and finish.
1: Fascinating, folks. If you're just tuning in. Uh, we have a, a super, super smart and important person on the show. His name is Philip Peterson. He's the Chief Investment Strategist for IG Wealth Management. And, uh, you know, he decided to join us today with Money Mike to dissect, to explain, to uh, to explore what's happening in the marketplace right now. And. Uh, If if you if you have any notion of what's happening, of our financial reality, this is a very, very important show this morning. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And as you all know, we are the home of the no commission salespeople. We're gonna take a short break and we are going to continue with this conversation. Lex, take us to a break and we'll be right back.
3: will soon be my death I'm so sick from the drink I need home for a rest
0: we arrived in- hey hey what's up Toronto when the boogeyman goes to sleep he checks under his bed for me Ken Shamrock here and you're listening to the great Carrasco show Hello Toronto! what's up guys this is Vito Belfer and you are listening one of the toughest guys
2: on air Greg Carrasco show man congratulations on your show I wish you all the best Toronto stay safe out there God bless you man this is Vito Belfer the phenom ready to strike let's go
3: There never seems to be a single penny left
1: So, Canada's largest automotive radio show. And as you all know, one of my favorite humans on the planet, Money Mike, is in the house. If you want your future to change, if you want to take control of your retirement, if you want a mentor to help you and hold your hand through all those questions that you don't have any answers for reach out to him, moneymike.ca, or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762. That is after the show. If you want to call the studio now, we are live. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. With us in the studio today, aside from Money Mike, we have Philip Peterson. He is the Chief Investment Strategist for IG Wealth Management. Uh, He essentially puts together the plan for investors, for all the in investment advisors, Mike, is that is that what he does really in, in, in
5: essence? Well, for our investment management teams and, and deciding about the investment approach that the, the company takes and then telling how to put that in context to us advisors and our clients. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know. For an investment company it's kind of a kind of a big role so, you, know. you know
1: i i didn't want to take the uh the floor all by myself because i have so many questions for him but uh, uh you know you must have some questions for philip and uh,
5: you know please go for it well for sure and and so you know these are the questions that we are getting from our clients you know what should we be doing in in regards to the volatility and and what's going on in the markets because of course you know oftentimes investors forget the fact that uh, when they're really really happy because the markets are doing nothing but go up like they did in 2021 well that's still just volatility it's volatility to the upside and we much rather have the upside than the downside but you know now we're seeing the downside of it and there's they're all scratching their heads saying what should we be doing so what do you say to clients in in that uh, with this environment phil
4: well it's one i think it's it's work with your advisor to ensure that you're your plan is still intact. The interesting that, and Mike, you know this, is that people forget that volatility is actually factored into financial plans when you put a financial plan together, Mike, I don't think you sit there and say, okay, we're going to generate 12% a year, every single year, consistently (laughs) month over month for the next 30 years. And it's all going to be great. No, we we know that we're going to run into recessions and bear markets and corrections. And so then we become reliant on the portfolio managers that are day-to-day on the portfolio. So that when we have volatility, like we do, they're rebalancing they're shifting the portfolio around to take advantage of some of the the dislocations in the market a stock is down let's say more than 30% oh it shouldn't be it's undervalued all right let's start buying it let's pick it up on the cheap so you know, portfolio managers aren't just sitting there looking at their portfolio going up oh, everything's good you know I'll just I'll leave for you know 2 weeks and come back and let's see where we are it's a constant adjustment it's uh uh like tuning an instrument getting back you know greg maybe we're bringing it back to the guitars it's constantly yeah. tuning the instrument bringing the instrument mm-hmm. in tune you don't just sit there and go oh, that doesn't sound great but i'll play it anyway no you you readjust at, as as uh, things change so from the investment perspective provided that clients have gone through the financial planning process have a plan in place they don't really need to do anything put aside that fear put aside that panic and just accept that this is a normal market environment.
5: Uh, And that's, you know, it's interesting. You had made a comment early on in the show that uh, obviously resonated and you said, you know, if this is not money that you need in the next 12 months, um, as you said, when we're building financial plans with our clients, it is goals-based financial planning. And, you know, when someone says, I'm looking to retire in 12 years, or I'm already retired and, you know, I'm 72 I'm going to be around for another 15, 20 years. Um, when you go through a market like this, all of a sudden their goal didn't change. The goal didn't say, well, no, actually now I think I need to spend all my money in the next year. And, and so this market is affecting me. Um, so yeah, you're, you're right. We've got to get back to the goals-based side of the equation. And when we're building that financial plan, as you said, we don't just build it based on the rosiest perspective. And we do build that plan with what ifs built in with analysis of um, all the things that could go wrong we stress test their plan against all those sort of bumps in the road that you can experience so uh, yeah hopefully hopefully not uh, reacting or, or even overreacting to what's going on there but they are wondering they are coming with the questions I was hoping I could pass them off on you and you could just tell them, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell them till I'm blue in the face. and may, But maybe they'll believe it when you say it.
1: You know, do you, sorry, Mike, to interrupt. Yeah. Do, do you no. find that uh, humans by, by nature have this desire to do something? Whenever markets go down or up, they need to do something. And sometimes the best thing to do is to do nothing at all. Is this something that, uh, that you guys apply when it comes to advising people on their financial plan?
5: Yeah, well, for sure, for sure. I mean, it 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 is absolutely a human desire to take action, and and so when when I've and I I know I've made this comment to you in the past that sometimes when the markets are doing what they do, the best thing for you to do is to go fishing. Um, It's not to say to literally you know turn a blind eye because as Philip pointed out, the portfolio managers are doing their job day in and day out. Uh, it's, it's the client's knee jerk reaction to make changes that can sort of take away the ability of portfolio managers to do what they're doing on the portfolio side. You know, when clients are saying, get me out of this, cause it's gone down too much. Well, the, all the work, the portfolio managers are doing to take advantage of this decline. You're negating by saying I need to get out. Um, so, uh, action is being taken and this is why I use institutional and professional money managers, um, but sometimes your side of that equation is to do nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you must have another question for him right now. When it comes to seniors, I was talking to you during the break and you you brought seniors up. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of seniors that listen to the show. So yeah. ask the question.
5: Yeah, Let's see. yeah that's that's a, that's a big one, because seniors, retirees, even those on the verge of retirement, mm-hmm. they're definitely the ones who have the, the greatest fear that this is going to adversely affect their plan. And, you know, does, does the advice change, uh, Philip, from the investment strategy side um, when you're at that stage of life?
4: The the short answer is no, it doesn't. Um, we believe that in, as we're approaching retirement, and I get this question all the time. I'm five years away from retirement. What should my portfolio look like? Should it be the same. You know, I'm five years into my retirement. What should my portfolio look like? It should be the same. So I've done a lot of work on this where the, if we start to remove risk from our portfolios into retirement especially in the interest rate environment that we're in Mm -hmm. yes interest rates are going higher but they're not going back to 10 percent. what you'd end up doing is you increase your risk of shortfall so what i mean by that is you increase your risk of running out of money Mm -hmm. and I've, i've done a lot of work on this in the past and yes it's uncomfortable in retirees saying i don't have any money coming in this is it this is my pool of capital It just fell by seven percent, eight percent. Okay, yes, we're back to where we were last March. So imagine, would you feel the same if the markets just went sideways for a year? Would you be having the same conversations, or is it that the markets went up and then back down to where they we were last March? Now that's an interesting conversation. But point being, my when when an individual in retirement sees that happen in the portfolio and say. I'm concerned, let's get out, you've just massively increased your risk of shortfall because you've removed, you say, Mike, you've removed the opportunity to regain, recapture those losses. And We know over time that the economy continues to advance and companies continue to do well, profits continue to grow. The volatility is temporary. The value created tends to be a little bit more lasting.
5: So you're suggesting essentially, as you get older, you shouldn't necessarily get conservative. What about those clients that were all that have been leaning that way? You know, I'm as you said, I'm I'm in the retirement years. I don't I don't have the time it takes to make this back up, whatever that comment means. Um, but it drives them to be more conservative. How are conservative investors being affected in this current environment?
4: Well, they unfortunately they're taken on by both sides. I mean, they they have the equity side that is down. We have a correction on the equities, but at the same time, because interest rates have gone up so much in the last six months, uh, and started at such a low level that we've seen negative returns out of bonds as well. I mean, it's not something that you typically see. It's rare, but we're in that or we've come through that situation today. So
5: this is the safe side of the portfolio, Philip.
4: A fixed it, income. Well, and it is. It's still safe. You know, like you know, sometimes you know, being down five percent is fifteen percent better than being down twenty percent. So it's still safe, right? It's <laughs> right. It's all you relative. Can always get worse. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and and bonds, we haven't seen an increase in defaults. Companies aren't aren't defaulting on their obligations, and governments aren't defaulting on their obligations. It's an interest rate and, and pricing uh, challenge, but. We're almost at the point now, we're just about there, where any further increases aren't likely to result in losses in bonds. And the challenge is when you start from zero, Mm. you have no airbag to absorb interest rate increases. There's no coupon coming in to say, okay, well, I'm going to give up 2%, but at least I was making three before, so I'm going to net one. Well, I started at zero. Now we're at three or pretty close to it. If we go up by 1%, that means, you know, Factoring in all the bond math that goes into it, over the next year, you'll still be up a percent. Did so. You?
1: Sorry, Philip, I need to ask you this because uh, I have the attention span of a goldfish. I will forget the question. And, uh, you know, do you think that the Canadian consumer by and large has been spoiled with low interest rates that are artificial? For the most part, they don't exist. Uh, You know, in the car industry, car manufacturers will buy the rate down to make it more appealing for them to come and buy vehicles from us. But now, you know interest rates are going to what there should be, I guess a standard interest rate. Um, do you think that the Canadians um, the Canadian mindset is kind of getting realigned today?
4: Yes. and the the there's a generation of Canadians that have benefited from massively low interest rates for the last almost 20 years. Um, And I'm thinking like the the millennial generation has never seen inflation, has never seen interest rates really above two and a half percent in this country. Um, And mortgage rates certainly not above five percent for quite a long time. What we just came through was a massive transfer of wealth. Uh, Mm -hmm. It might seem odd, but think of it this way. We have a generation that were able to accumulate wealth because of low interest rates, buy homes buy cars, buy whatever, at the cost of another generation that was sacrificing income because interest rates were so low. Now we're going the other way. You know, We're, we're right now probably at that inflection point where one generation that leaned on wealth or leaned on, on debt as a means of, of accumulating things, they're going to start to have to pay the price for it versus another generation that suffered through low interest rates for a fairly lengthy period of time now they're going to start to see higher interest rates higher income out of bonds
1: that's that's very interesting and you know mike i want you to ask that cryptocurrency mm, question yes. after the break i know <laughs> we there. need to address it but uh, we're going to do it after the break uh, after the break folks Uh, If you're just tuning in, you are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show, and uh, this is the Money Hour. Money Mike is in the house, and uh, uh, Philip Peterson, the chief investment strategist for IG Wealth Management, is here with us answering all the questions. And uh, I also have a question from my friend, Greg Walker, that I will ask on the other side. Lex, let's take a short break, and we'll be right back.
0: Feelings the macari carry, them don't go already and then can't say them sorry. Yeah. Slew them up, be feelings feeling Macari. You know, well them something again. With you why you not me. Who the ma could have got them machine? Them, them got this king, say say what you all like them die. Who the mamma go see them with spell? Them then this money when well them so gonna yeah. mark us, then them mark us and all the dust, yeah. Ooh, them my bite us yeah. Who the mamma got them.
4: Percy Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show.
1: My dad told me Saturday mornings used to be for watching cartoons.
3: And now we have to listen to this guy. My name's
1: Lily, and you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. <laughs>
0: That's the way you do
3: it.
0: You play the guitar on MTV. That ain't working. That's the way you do it. Money for nothing and you free.
1: And we're back.
0: No, that ain't
1: working. That's you are listening working. to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show with Money Mike in the house. And uh, a very, very important person, Philip Peterson, Chief Investment Strategist for IG Wealth Management. We had a question from my buddy, Triple G. He wants to know how long will this buy-in opportunities last? Will they last long? Uh, That's a good question, Philip. What do you think?
4: Great question. No one has the perfect answer, but I'll give you some some, uh, optimistic viewpoints. Um, Given the volatility that we've seen, there have been a few signs that we could be near the bottom. Now, we don't know when the bottom comes until well after the fact, but... uh, Typically the average correction, and I do think this is a correction not going to materialize into a bear market. I don't see a recession coming over the course of the next 12 months. So if this is a correction, the average correction tends to be about a 14% drop in the marketplace. And we're we're right around there now. The duration or the length of time of a correction, going back to World War II, tends to be just over 90 trading days, which is about four and a half months. So you know, we're right in that that spot there too. Uh, when you look at certain levels of the market there's a, an index called the, it's the CBOE volatility index. It's a measure of, of fear uh, or, or anticipated volatility. When that breaks above 30, as it did this week, that usually marks the bottom of a correction. Mm-hmm. Another one that I look at is is the put call ratio. When that breaks above one, you know, typically that is near the bottom of a correction. So I think, Greg, we're near peak pessimism and i'll say this you know mike i want to almost ask you this because i have been inundated request, with requests to speak to clients about what's going on in the market when that happens we're usually at the bottom of a correction
2: interesting
5: yeah yeah that's that's 100% when i'm getting the most calls um, that's that's when i'm thinking the the tides are are going to turn just just uh, you know just like the flip side when clients are throwing money at me i get nervous when they're when they're piling money into investments because they're they have the fear of missing out, I start to think oh, we might be hitting the top of the markets right now because everybody thinks it's a good time to put money in. So uh, you know the the old saying, "When there's blood in the streets, we buy." Mm-hmm. Um, that's unfortunately when in the, the most recent experience, more clients are running away than than ever before. Never and waste that a good crisis. never waste a good crisis. <laughs> exactly. So so what do you uh, you know? If for no other reason than the entertainment value to the listeners out there who always have these questions themselves. <laughs> what about crypto? What about, should I be getting into gold and silver because of all of the craziness going on, despite the fact I haven't seen huge runups in gold prices. Um, what should they be doing? Should they be investing in these instruments?
4: So like I have to divide gold uh, and crypto up into two buckets. And the reason I have to do that is because I, um, Gold is recognized as a a legitimate currency uh, or a store of wealth by central banks. It's held by the Bank of Canada. It's held by the Federal Reserve only for historical reasons. right? It's been Mm -hmm. viewed as a store of wealth and, and a medium of exchange going back thousands of years. But yeah, aside from that, if we didn't have that historical context, would gold be worth anything? Probably not, right? It's shiny, uh, it's a good conductor of electricity, but an expensive way to wire your house, you you can't do a heck of a lot with it. Um, However, in recognizing that it is legal tender, I have to model it and look for ways of valuing it. So gold tends to move with the US money supply. So as the US money supply Expands, gets bigger and bigger, gold eventually catches up. Sometimes it gets a little bit too far ahead, as it did in 1980, and sometimes it's a little bit behind, as it was in 2000. Today, based on this measure, gold is undervalued by about 20 to 25%. That doesn't mean run out and buy gold because it can take years for it to catch up to the money supply. Mm. All I'm saying is it is an undervalued asset class at this measure. And so, could it? have a purpose in, in someone's portfolio. Well, if this inflation continues, which it could, um, then gold has been a good hedge against inflation. It has been a decent store of wealth. And yes, it, you could hold it in a portfolio. And but as,
5: as an alternative to cash
4: though, right? Exactly, I, I see it as an alternative to cash. Um, exactly, it is a currency, so use it as an alternative to cash. Okay. Crypto, on the other hand, has no correlation to things. And this is the real challenge that I have. I mean, everyone's talking about it and the banks are interested in it and you're seeing products come out and Kyle Lowry is, is advertising, you know, ways of, of investing in it. Um, but the challenge is how do I value it? It doesn't correlate to stocks. It doesn't correlate to cash. It doesn't correlate to inflation. It it doesn't correlate to anything. So I really think crypto and and not to say that people haven't made money in crypto. I, I know numerous people that have, but I think they made it out of luck more than any kind of information edge, to be honest with you. That could change. We have El Salvador that's recognizing it as legal tender. I think there was another uh, country in Africa the other day that just you know recognized it as legal tender. Um, Bitcoin, I'm referring to. But I don't see it any different than a collection of fine wine or art or comic books that I think we mentioned, you know, the other day, um, it's really what someone else attaches a value to it, but is it really valuable? I have no way of, of really recognizing the value of crypto um, because I can't attach it to anything. I can't measure it. That's fair.
1: That's there fair. are so many people that are looking at crypto as a viable a place to invest their money, and uh, all we see on social media these days uh, is uh, is a bombardment of uh, people asking you to invest into crypto. And whenever there are celebrities endorsing something, I always get worried about it because uh, <laughs> when we're using influence uh, of uh, something so subjective as that, uh, as a as a benchmark for us to make decisions is, a, is always a scary situation. But uh, what an interesting uh, conversation today, folks. I, I I thank you, Mike, for bringing uh, Philip uh, to the studio today, and Philip. Um, it was great having you on, on the show here and having this conversation. I mean, there are so many other questions that we need to ask you. Um, I'd like to extend a, an open invitation whenever you want to communicate something to the masses, whenever you want, if there is something that you need to share with us. Uh, Mike, you can bring uh, Philip anytime. Philip, uh, thank you so much for joining the show.
4: Oh, it's been a great pleasure and a wonderful conversation. I look forward to the next time we can do this.
5: Thank you, Philip
1: thank you thank so you. much that was philip peterson the chief investment strategist of ig wealth management uh, and money mike was with me on the show money mike uh, pleasure as always again is amazing thank you so much folks you are listening to the greg carrasco show we are canada's largest automotive radio show and uh we're going to take a short break and regroup uh, lex is going to take us to a short break and we'll be right back
3: What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture. And if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care.
0: Karrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb, tens of thousands on his lawn, he's even followed by your mom, what? broadcasting live, here is your warning, the topics are flowing every Saturday morning, car talk like Sherlock, the guy knows wheels like a dial stop, movie talk on the boardwalk, Shoot facts like a tomahawk. so entertaining, turn up the station, there's no more waiting, this show is beginning, it's too late to escape, let's go, here's your host, Greg Carrasco!
1: Ladgers, we are back! Man, the show is going bad. It's going by so fast this morning. That last hour is pretty intense. I always feel awkward when I have important people on the show. It's like I forget to speak. <laughs> it happens to me. It's performance anxiety. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Those who know, know that those two stores are probably the absolute safest place for anybody to go and buy a new or used vehicle, period. Period. Why is it one of the safest places? It's because I'm there and I have this show. So you you will hold me accountable. We are live. It's April the 30th and it's 10:04 in the morning. This is the hour of the grievances. So if you have a beef, an issue, a concern, a question, if somebody's bothering you, if your wife is getting in your nerves, if your husband is tossing his socks around the house call me 289-275-9600 289-275-9600 i want to send a big shout out to my uh, partners the other two directors at the condo board we had the first condo board meeting this week i still don't know how that happened Somebody said to me, "Greg, why don't you just put your name for the uh, for the uh, the condo board?" And I said, "Ah, yeah, who, sure, I'll do it." Who's gonna elect me? Next thing I know, I'm the president of the board. <laughs> Great! This is a voluntary position. And then that wasn't the hard part. The hard part is that I had to take a 16-hour certification course to be the director. Why do we do this to ourselves? With me on air, I have a really important person in my life. I'll tell you why this guy is an important person in my life. Because uh, when I started my, uh, my jiu-jitsu career a few years back, uh, he was the voice of reason, but he was also the source of happiness. You know, he was one of the funniest guys. Ever. Whenever he was around, we were laughing. And, you know, those who practice martial arts understand the importance of the vibe of the club that you happen to be working at or training at. And uh, whenever he was around, we knew. It was, it was fun. And uh, those of you that know me and know me well, whenever I love something, as much as i love doing jiu jitsu i want to own something so a few years back i i, I wanted to open up my own jiu jitsu school and you know i vetted a bunch of different options and and the the time wasn't right you know we picked somebody and something happened and it just didn't happen and that's one of the reasons and one of the problems of with having a, a determinist mm-hmm. view on life if you don't know what i'm talking about Punch in determinism on Google and see the definition. Things happen because they need to happen. It is my belief. It doesn't have to be yours. But um, a couple of months ago, I got a phone call. He said, we need to meet. I said, okay. So he came down my dealership and uh, said, look, the time is right. And presented me with one of the most ironclad, solid business plans that I have seen. You know, I thought that when I was going to open up the school, that I was going to have to come up with that. But, you know, he had it all pretty much figured out. Um, and what I discovered that very moment is that uh, there was a whole different side of this person that had been such a positive contribution in, to my jiu-jitsu life. So I have with me on air, Professor Luis Costa, uh, who is my co-owner, partner, friend, and now a member of my family. Luis, thank you for coming to the Carrasco Show, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me, Greg. I'm so
6: happy to be here. I was listening to the show today. It's very interesting. We have a very intense last hour. It's so interesting. I almost forgot to to join. <laughs> I was so into the, the conversation. Yeah, it's been a life-changer conversation.
1: I, uh, you know... Yesterday was a pretty surreal day in, in both of our lives because um, uh, we, uh, the contractors finished their job and uh, we had to lay lay down the mats on a jiu-jitsu school. And for, you know, again, this is, this is esoteric conversation again. And I don't expect everyone to understand this, but, uh, you know, once you lay down the mat, it means that we can start training and, you uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, in the middle of putting down the mats, we were looking at each other and not believing what was happening. And uh, in the middle of this, we uh, it was a song playing in the background, and uh, with our work clothes, we just got on the ground and started to <laughs> to to roll. And it was a it, it was a pretty it, it was a sweet romantic jujitsu moment that took place. Because uh, you know, I believe that you never need to pass an opportunity to do what you love. Yeah. And uh, when I met you, Louise, I mean, things just. Happened. We didn't have to force anything. Did you feel the same way when uh, when when we met that first time? Of course, of course. And those
6: are when when it's meant to be, it's it's going to be right. So we cannot fight back. Those things they were just meant to be. So like you were saying, we spoke a, a few years ago, and it was not a right moment, but the idea was always there. So I always look to yourself as someone that has a lot to bring. jiu-jitsu and your passion and your love for jiu-jitsu is is incredible so we
1: cannot let it pass right well, and, and right now we have almost a fully functioning uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu school in, in Oakville, and it's the yes. only exclusive Brazilian Jiu Jitsu school in Oakville. And the, the, the reception that we've received from the community has been overwhelming. I mean, you've seen it. The number of emails and phone calls and, and messages that we receive every single day is, is fascinating. How do you feel that, uh, you know, a love project like this for you uh, coming to fruition? Because you've been wanting to do this for a long time. How, how are you feeling these days? well i'm I'm feeling very
6: positive about it, so it's like I said, it's all about love the love that you're putting into it we are putting into it, and the the result that is coming from this, and we can see on people that are calling us we are receiving the love back right away, so we we don't have to wait until we receive those calls and they are so so thrilled and so passionate about it that it's just making it the whole process way easier for us, right. I think it's becoming a natural, uh, this relationship, this bonding is becoming natural between Okta and Oakville. And that's awesome.
1: It's ground zero. I mean, the, uh, what we're doing right now, I mean, yesterday we were discussing that Okta BJJ is a way that, you know, Lewis and I, two immigrants are giving back to the community. I like to think of the show as the same, Uh, but the, is ground zero. We are validating assumptions. I mean, this is something that will grow and will grow bigger than we think is going to grow because it's already happening. But uh, you see, uh, folks, if you're just tuning in the show, uh, you know, my my partner and Professor Luis is the the head instructor of Okta BJJ in Oakville, which is... Um, our jiu-jitsu school. And uh, I wanted to have you on air because um, for two reasons. Number one, I want people to know I'm going to have you coming on the show, just like I I have done in the past with, you know, people that are important to me in my jiu-jitsu career, like Professor Toma and Professor Dave from uh, Evo Jiu-Jitsu and Mississauga, that I, I love those guys. And a lot of people get confused as to why I bring other schools into, into my show when I have my own. And, you know, I think that you and I echo the sentiment that um, there should be a camaraderie between schools. We we shouldn't be uh, jealous or fighting with each other as opposed to supporting one another, which is part of the community that we're trying to build there. Do you do you agree with that concept? Of course. Of course. Uh,
6: we, we are not competitors at all. We are all going towards the same direction, right? Or so contributing to... To the community the same way so the the moment we all get together the jiu is just growing so we we don't have to fight each other unless we are on the mat. that's a different <laughs> conversation <laughs>
1: that's a completely different conversation yeah you know i have a question for you luis who are you like you know who is luis costa the main instructor and professor at octa bjj in oakville where did you come from? How long have you been in Canada? What is your background? How long have you been practicing martial arts? Can you give me a little bit of open the window for us to understand who you are?
6: Of course. Uh, I. First of all, I am Brazilian, right? So it's been... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that,
1: that, uh, that helps a bit.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I came to Canada nine years ago, right? And I landed right in Oakville. and And that's why we're yesterday about giving back I felt so welcomed here my family my entire family it made the entire process even more special for us right but I was born in Rio but uh, in 79 so life in, in Rio back in 80s was very different and we and were used to play on the streets all day long right? it was very very nice and of course when you're a kid and you're playing on the streets uh, fights happen, right?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Especially
5: and I, in our
6: countries. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So I found myself in situations when I was very young that I knew that I had to protect myself. Uh, and the first thing I, I I decided to do was to look for some training. And at school, we had like capoeira, uh, judo. And I enrolled myself in, in those uh, activities and mm-hmm. started getting exposed to martial arts pretty When I was pretty young. Yeah. Uh, By the time I was in maybe 12, 13, I I migrated to karate and jiu-jitsu. And I started doing both when I was very young as well. But, you know, jiu-jitsu is a little bit far from me. So I decided to stay in karate for a long time. And I got my black belt in karate. I'm four degrees black belt in karate as well. Uh, And I decided to go back to jiu-jitsu right after I got my black belt. It was early 2000s and never left.
1: Uh, how dangerous was growing up in Rio? Well,
6: it depends. It depends. When when you are local, you, you know exactly where to go and what to do, right? So
4: mm-hmm.
6: I always try to live my life in a way that I don't expose myself to dangerous situations. Uh, of course, there are things that you can control and things that you cannot control. But if you're not looking, looking for trouble, uh, trouble is not going to find you right? Uh, it's it's hard. It's hard to live in Rio, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say it's very dangerous. If you're not looking for trouble, you can really go by and, and live a good life there.
1: You know, it's funny because we uh, we often hear that it's, uh, Rio is unbelievably dangerous and, uh, you know, the kids uh, squats at nighttime, they come and, you know, the this, this sort of things that you see on the movies and stuff. So that's not the reality there. No, there, there's a component, a reality
6: component to it, right? So you always have to, to keep in mind that every place can be dangerous depending on where you are or <laughs> the time of the day, right? And Rio has this component. It's a dangerous city. Yeah. But I was able to survive there and dodge those problems pretty well. Uh, but the negative side is always uh, when you expose the negative side, it becomes bigger than it
1: really is, right? Well yeah you always find what you're looking for and if if that is problems you will find problems no matter where you can find problems here in Toronto and Toronto mm. is one of the, <laughs> it's the safest places on the planet but do, do you find that uh, the deeper you got into your jiu-jitsu career the the more aware you became of uncomfortable uncomfortable situations and you avoided them in the first place because of you had the you had the confidence how impactful do you think that uh jiu-jitsu was in your life avoiding um, dangerous situations? Yeah, that was the key, to be
6: honest. That was the key. So Jiu-Jitsu gives you life skills, right? To really learn how to read the environment, to really learn how to read people. Uh, it, the, the fact that I knew that I was confident, that I knew how to protect myself, m- made me more comfortable in tough situations as well. So I didn't see the danger as other people they used to see. Uh, and that happens to everyone that learns skills like that. Right? Uh, it is not unusual. I, I, even other martial arts they do that as well. So every single martial arts they focus on self-defense. They prepare you for life in a certain way. Jiu Jitsu goes a little bit beyond that.
1: But yes. So as a as a school in as the the head instructor for for Okta BJJ, how focused are you going to be on children and their mindset and the the anti-bullying and confidence aspect of of the art uh, as you're bringing it to the school, because you wrote the entire curriculum, no? Yes, yes. I had some help, of course. I, I have a few
6: black belts from Brazil helping me, but we put a system together. It's a progressive system that goes from day one, you start learning how to navigate tough situations. Right? And and of course, uh, it's not only the the dangers in life, but also daily situations. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you equip yourself to deal with frustration, uh, with uh, failures, right, with challenges, and that's all in jiu jitsu and in life. So whatever we're going to teach you at jiu jitsu and how to deal with pressure, how to think under pressure, and how to to prevent being exposed to certain situations, it's, it's all there.
1: And what would you say to parents that have young children being exposed to this, it seems to be everywhere, uh, bullying, whether it's you know, virtual bullying or physical bullying at school or the playground, what would you say that would be the, the number one life skill that their children will learn if they join a jiu-jitsu academy? And, and, and I mean, and I see a jiu-jitsu academy, period, because yes, we are focused in Oakville and yes, we have different goals, but uh, jiu-jitsu, no matter where you are, is going to bring a benefit to your life and to your children. What do you think is the biggest benefit that uh, parents will have in their, in their children's life? Yeah, I'm
6: a parent myself. so I've been through that with my kid. Uh, my son is 15 right now and, and he came to Canada when he was six and he didn't speak English at all. Mm-hmm. So he also faced some sort of bullying when he was very young. And what jiu-jitsu does for the kids, it's, uh, of course, you have the confidence they gain uh, when they practice jiu-jitsu. But also, they're not afraid of speaking about it, mm-hmm. right? When they know that it doesn't matter the pressure, it doesn't matter the situation, you always have to find a way out. And jujitsu teaches you how to find a way out. Um, you, you really equip your kid with the confidence to speak up. To approach you and say this is happening to me uh i need to find a way out i know there is one i cannot find it myself i need some help and of course the more they train the more confident they become and and they're gonna even learn how to avoid being in those situations
1: your conflict resolution problem solving skills confidence and that sort of thing do you find mm-hmm. that uh you have a closer relationship with your son simply because you guys train together of course, of course.
6: And that's the beauty about this. Uh, the, the comparison that I make between Jiu Jitsu and other martial arts is, and I, I'm, I'm a crowded black belt as well. Mm-hmm. When you have a strike in martial arts, you push people away, right? That's the ultimate goal. So mm-hmm. you're punching and kicking and pushing. Jiu Jitsu is, is different. So the basic concept is that you bring people in. So training with my son, uh, I, I got really close to him, really close. You bring people in and you, you have to trust your partner. It's mm-hmm. a partnership from the beginning. So you have to establish trust. Trust, yeah. Yeah, it's a collaboration. Uh, I, uh, this activity is all about collaboration. right? It's different from going to a gym when I put my headphones and I just work out. Jiu-Jitsu is not like this. You cannot put your headphones and stay in your zone. You have mm-hmm. to collaborate. You have to trust people. You have to rely on your partners. And, of course, training with my son and building this kind of partnership with him on the mats. It translates into a good relationship at home as well, because he knows, right? He knows <laughs> he that he can
1: trust. <laughs> he knows who the black belt is. That's for sure. That was certainly help you. You know, it's funny because uh, when when my eldest son was training with me, and you know, he he'll come back. He's just busy with life now. Uh, people will always say how. Uh, this is slow down, guys, you know why are you going at each other so aggressively, and you know he was my toughest role because we could go at each other almost a hundred percent, but I had the certainty within me that he will never hurt me because I would never hurt him. There was love in the middle, yeah, so you know when you when you can practice a martial arts and go a hundred percent out with someone that you love, you know, that nothing bad will happen unless it's an accident, of course, and accidents will happen no matter where you are. But uh, I, I I remember having those conversations and, you know, I feel the exact same way with my training partners. You know, whenever I train with you, I feel safe. You are yep. one of the most dangerous humans that I know. And, you know, your voice, the, your demeanor certainly does not reflect um, who you are and what you can do, and it's fascinating. But whenever I train with you, when I train with my buddy Derek and you know, with Ben and, and with Sean and all the people that are, are instructors of the school, um, there is a level of trust and safety that comes along with it. It's, it's more of a family aspect than just competitors that want to just beat each other. Did you find
6: that? Yes, yes. And it's not unusual that you, when you find black belts, they're the coolest because they, they're calm. Right? You, you, you learn how to control your emotions. And that makes you calm. That makes you feel relaxed. Uh, and, and one thing that I just said is very important about Jiu-Jitsu. You can really go 100% in Jiu-Jitsu without hurting your, your opponent, your partner. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's key. Right? You really know what you can do. When you're there, you, you cannot lie to yourself. Right? And, and that's the beauty about this art. You have full control of the outcome. Because you are in power all the time, you are in power of your emotions, your moves, and your techniques. Um, one thing that I that I want to say about my relationship with my son, uh, the jujitsu is I see Jiu-Jitsu as an antidote to the modern life. Right, uh, it's not unusual that my son goes to his room and his video games and his phone. People are drifting apart from each other because the the technology is amazing, but Technology also brings this comfort of texting over talking, right? People feel more comfortable texting. Mm -hmm. Even my son, he texts me more than he talks to me on the phone. And it's okay. It's practical. But Jiu-Jitsu breaks that. Jiu-Jitsu breaks that pattern. You cannot go there and not communicate to people, not collaborate. The social aspect, especially for kids, it's incredible. The kids are connecting and reconnecting to each other. Right? And it, that's impactful among uh, grown-ups, mm-hmm. but especially for kids, it's it's totally different. They feel yeah. different.
1: I, I see it. I mean, one of the reasons why I started was for the very same reason. My youngest son, Alex, was spending a lot of time in the, um, uh, in, in, in the computer and just playing video games. And uh, uh, he was about to go into high school. And we all know how tough high school can be. And uh, at the time, not so much anymore, but at the time, he was smaller than everybody else. And, uh, you know, he was thinner than everybody else. And I figured, oh, man, I, I need to do something with him that is going to bring some confidence into his life. And uh, I went and tried it first because I have done martial arts pretty much my whole life as well. And um, it was love of first roll. I mean, the first time I got on the mat, it was just like, OK, I need to do this. Uh, it, it was a fascinating thing. But, you know. We're going to take a short break right now, Louise. And on the other side of the break, I, I want you to think about some advice that you would give parents that are bringing their kids into judo these days. But they should be joining themselves. So yeah. I want you to think about that, folks. You are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. We are taking your phone calls, uh, whatever questions you might have. And sometimes, you know, many shows are are gauged on the number of calls that we get. But sometimes the conversation is so compelling that we we do, can't help but listen. The number to call is 289-275-9600. And the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. And until the end of May... Um, If you're looking to buy a used vehicle, we will give you no payments for up to six months. Lex, take us to a break. We'll be right back.
4: My name is Sean Avery. I love getting under people's skin, but not as much as this guy. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show.
0: Hey, hey, what's up, Toronto? When the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks under his bed for me. Ken Shamrock here, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hello, Toronto. (laughs)
3: Hello, Toronto.
1: Checking some latino music onto your life this morning you know it's impossible to listen to some merengue or salsa and not smile and want to move somehow or maybe sit back on a mojito or a banana mama oh yeah you know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> life gets too serious sometimes <laughs> the funny thing was when, when Capleton came in the middle of the interview with one of the most important financial people in the country. Ah, uh, that was funny. But that was an inside joke. Uh, you are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, just in case you don't know this. Uh, I always give a shout out to The Basement Dweller, my biggest fan, at the beginning of every show. But uh, he, since he's my biggest fan, he's still listening. <laughs> You know, I suggest that you um, that you come out of your mother's basement and go for a walk or something, get a tan. <laughs> 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 uh, the basement dweller is <laughs> out.
2: You know what, Greg? The, yeah, the sunlight yeah. probably hurts his eyes. He's so used to the basement. I know he'll
1: come. Out, <laughs> I know he'll he'll come out with sunglasses because yeah,
3: ah, light. <laughs>
1: It's been so many years. You know, Luis, I have um, somebody that loves me, and uh, he listens to every single word I say every single Saturday for three straight hours. It's amazing. (laughs) It's my biggest fan. I think he has a crush on me. For for sure. Yeah. I I wonder if he loves my beard. You know, that's it, man. That might be that might be the the difference maker. (laughs) uh, You know, maybe maybe what do you think? Maybe it's the Spanish accent. You know that uh, it's your voice for sure. uh, I don't know about that, but (laughs) anyways, uh, with me in the studio is uh, my my partner, friend, and and family member now, uh, Professor Luis Costa, who is um, the head instructor at um, Okta BJJ in Oakville. Now, before the break, I was asking you to give some thought to the idea of uh, parents who have children at a jiu-jitsu school, and uh, that I believe that, like I, I we put it on an Instagram account, families who train together stay together. Uh, yeah. The bond that develop, is developed at a jiu-jitsu school. In fact, um, a couple of our instructors, they're couples. They, uh, you know, husband and wife are both trained in the school, and they're going to be some of our instructors, which is fascinating. What do you say to parents who want to join and, and be particip- active participants on their kids' jiu-jitsu development?
6: Well, I would say that's key. Uh, I think that the first main reason is that your kids will follow your steps, right? If the kids see you doing jiu with them, they're going to feel way more comfortable on the mats. They're going to feel that you're a part of that. You're being part of their lives. Somehow, if you do the same, if you're doing the same activity, they're going to feel part of it. Uh, the second reason is that opens a entire communication channel with your kids, mm-hmm. right? And it, it can start just by rolling together. So you're going to see that it's an unspoken channel, right? So you don't need words, but you start understanding each other the moment you start rolling together. And that is going to open up more channels. You're going to see the communications flowing way better after that. I think you're experiencing that with your kids,
1: you know, it, uh, it, sorry, I, it, it's interesting because if you practice any other martial arts with your children, you have to hit them. Yep. You have to kick them. You have to punch them. You have to throw them. With jujitsu, yeah. you bring them closer to you. You actually hug them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, if exactly. If you have any teenagers living in your house, try to give a hug to one of your teenagers and see how quickly they run away from you, especially outside the school. But at jujitsu, they don't have a choice.
6: <laughs> yes, and sometimes you do that for five minutes straight. Try to hug your kid for five minutes.
1: <laughs> it's, it's amazing, and uh, I, you know, I never really thought about it that way. But uh, it's it, with with jujitsu, you never have to hit anyone. No, you know, on the contrary, this is this is a soft art. Is someone that bring, brings your children closer to you, uh, and you are absolutely right, Louise. Um, Kids don't do what you tell them to do; they no, do no. what you do. Would exactly. you agree with that?
6: Exactly. So you become the role model and nothing better than engaging on the same activity. You can show them the way by going with them, right? Instead of just pointing the way, you just walk the path with your kids. It's the best way to go. And you're right. There's no striking in Jiu-Jitsu. We call it the gentle word because you can really manage the situation without even hurting your opponent. And that's, that's fantastic, especially for kids at school. Uh-huh. If they have to handle a situation, a tough situation at school, if they hit each other, they will both get in trouble, right? I my son was in a, a camp once; he was eight or nine, mm-hmm. and he got into a, into a fight with a, another kid. But he didn't land one punch. What he did, he put the kid on the on the floor and he mounted and held him. He held him, and I got a call from from the the instructor at at the the place. And he said, oh, your kid was amazing. I never saw something like that. He didn't hurt the other kid. He was just controlling until I got close. And I was so proud of him right? just because he was able to handle a situation by himself. And he knew that he could not hurt the other kid. He doesn't need to. Uh, and if you, if you go to Okta, you not only with your kid, but we have all the training online as well. Even the games for the kids um, we are putting everything online. We're recording all the, the the classes, all the all curriculum curriculums, yeah. Yeah. So you go home with your kid and you can train, you can practice at home and do the games. Even young kids like four or five, six year olds, mm-hmm. they can benefit from that. It's everything is in there. And we we will work with parents to give them the framework they need to grow those skills. And and again, the kid that is confident, it's not only preventing getting bullied but they don't become bullies as well and that's pretty important sometimes yeah, your
1: kid is the bully right i that, I think that uh if your kid is a bully by bringing him to jiu-jitsu that will be cured oh yeah because they will uh, they will be able to understand emotional control the psychological aspect of uh, of aggression and, and, and something like that doesn't happen at a jiu-jitsu school i mean we are able to pick it up pretty quickly would you agree with that I agree with that. And most of
6: the times the aggression comes from fear, from not understanding what's going on, mm-hmm. right? And they become aggressive. It's not unusual that kids, when they are they come to jujitsu and they're quite aggressive, it, they calm down, right? They start understanding the impact of their actions and, and how dangerous they can be.
1: Um, we, uh, you know, our school has one of the only women's only program in Southern Ontario. Can you talk a little bit about that? I can. Uh, So when when women come to
6: jujitsu, it's not unusual they see someone like us. For example, I'm almost six feet tall and almost 200 pounds. If I apply a technique, a woman will say, okay, you're big. You can do that because you're big. Mm -hmm. Our instructors, they are women and they're small and they are applying techniques to, to guys like me. And they see that that works, right? When uh, a woman comes and they, f- first, they feel more comfortable training with women, right? Yep. They, among themselves, it's better for them. And, and they see the results, right? It's different when you see, you can relate to the technique when you see someone like you applying that. So we do have two instructors they're the women they are great instructors they have a great background uh and they've been in martial arts for a long time and they also one of them is also a a dancer so she she she's an instructor instructor. so she she really understands how to use the body and she can translate that into jiu-jitsu pretty well the the women's class i think is going to be a big success well, we gone.
1: we received a lot of attention on that simply because there's a lot of women that wanna that wanna try this out, but they don't wanna be duking it out with a like you said, uh, an mm-hmm. ugly 200 pounds sweaty dude. And, uh, <laughs> they, they do that at home already, so they don't wanna do that at the gym. So, <laughs> exactly. I, uh, you know, folks, the uh, this is a pretty important uh, guest that I have with me, and uh, he he's my partner. I have a tremendous amount of respect for uh, for Louise, not only as a jiu-jitsu practitioner um, as a businessman and also as a husband and as a dad. And uh, I have always struggled with that because whenever you have a point of reference on anything that you do, uh, you want to look up to somebody. And uh, it's it's important that uh, there is an intrinsic, uh, a deep understood amount of respect that you have for the people that you are putting your jiu-jitsu trust in. And uh, for me, that was super important, and I have only found that three times in my jujitsu career. And uh, I found it with the folks, as you know, and um, you know, they. I put them on my bio when it came to you know putting my picture on the website, and I had to speak about these two guys because uh, you know Professor Tom and Professor Dave from Evo. They were they were little role models as to how I wanted to conduct myself as a as an instructor as a as a jujitsu school owner uh, and as a person, uh, and they were they were so influential that uh, uh, I I hope that one day I can be like them. But the other person was you because uh, you know the the aspect the jujitsu aspect about you. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's enormous, but it's only a fraction of the of the whole human that, that I've gotten to know over the last little bit. And uh, I do believe that your ability to communicate ideas like you've done on the show today, um, you know, to the succinct um, application of your knowledge in relation from jujitsu to life and vice versa, is going to give you a competitive advantage no matter what you do. And especially when it comes to the instruction aspect of this, Um I feel super happy that you're in my life, Louise, and uh, and I mean that wholeheartedly here uh, in front of Slacker Nation. And uh, I thank you for for being a part of this ride. And uh, um, only great things to come. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Thank you very much, Greg. And I'm happy to be part of this Slacker Nation. I'm a, <laughs> I'm also a fan. <laughs> uh, I, but thank you. Thank you. You're making me uh, shy right now. But folks, that is uh, Professor Luis Costa. He is my friend and partner at Okta BJJ, the only exclusive Brazilian jiu-jitsu school in in Oakville. And uh, it's opening up within the next 10 days or so. And uh, get your spot. Don't be left out. You know, there's only so many people that we can put on that mat. <laughs> so we're almost ready to go. And uh, you just go to um, Save your spot. Put your information. We will get your information. We'll send you an invitation. And one of the things that I've done, Louise, before I let you go, is that I decided to speak to each and every one of the new potential members that we have. Um, you know, th- there are, you know, there are Characters. There are people. There are personalities that uh, that we need to assess when they come to the school. And everybody goes to a jujitsu school for a different reasons. And uh, by talking to each and every one of the people that are trying to join the school, I have been able to vet the right attitude. Because I want, you know, I think that I echo your sentiments on this. I want, we want, the vibe of the school to be a safe place for everybody to go in exactly. and come out better than when they, they went in, not worse. Would you agree with that? I totally agree with that. I totally agree. That's a safe place. And
6: one of the things that the instructors are discussing a lot, and it's, we need to make sure people feel better than when they come in. When they leave the, the, the academy, when they leave the school, they need to feel better. And you're gonna build relationships for life my best friends they came from from the mats from mm. jiu-jitsu right the best people that i've met in my life they came from jiu-jitsu so you're going to you're going to meet people that will stick to with you for life so you want the best the best people around you and we're going to make sure we have the best
1: people around us i agree with that and uh, you know from our you know friend schools everybody is welcome to drop by and say hello uh, and like I said before, with our friend schools, we're not competitors, we're friends. And uh, we will ensure that that remains the way. Uh, Luis Costa, thank you so much for joining the Carrasco Show. Folks, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Yes, this is a car show, <laughs> but I find cars a little bit boring from time to time. And I talk about other things, which is great, because there are no subjects that are out of limits. We can talk about whatever we want. Uh, The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and uh, not only I am surrounded by awesome people at that store, we are also surrounded by the last possible incentive for you to buy any car that is left in Ontario. Nobody's giving you any specials anymore, and uh, I decided to take a a, a leap of faith on this one and offer the population a little bit of a payment vacation. So if you're looking at buying a used vehicle and you've decided that maybe it's a luxury used car or just a regular used car, you can come and see me at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And if you have good credit, because if the bank doesn't want to give you money, I can't help you. Uh, You can have up to a six month payment vacation. So you take the car today and let's hope that interest rates go down and whatever may happen six six months from now, you don't have to make a payment for up to six months. Lex, let's go to a short break and we'll be right back.
3: What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture. And if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care.
4: Darcy Tucker here. And if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show.
3: Welcome to the paradise. Far! abrazos y un café
1: But riding a motorcycle is one of those things that you cannot do without being 100% present. You need to be there. You need to absorb your reality. You need to be mindful of the moment. You need to be present in every single aspect of your being, every sense, everything. You need to be there. Have you ever ridden a motorcycle, Nick? Uh, never, no. Never. What about you, Lex?
6: Not a full-on run motorcycle. Uh, I have uh, one of those e-bikes that go about 30 kilometers
1: an hour. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> have you ever ridden a motorcycle, uh, Jodi? Yes, in India, when there's no helmets. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You know, I, um, I, I have a beef with this law. And I can tell you that I have changed my mind over the years. Um, I, I always felt compelled to tell people to put a helmet on. Uh, and uh, as I get older and uh, as I've gone through the pandemic, I, uh, hey, what's happening, man? I, uh, uh, Jody's husband is in the background there. He's one handsome looking dude, man. Hey, he one ball me... guy after another. Yeah, he makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would have looked like if I had a choice in the matter. <laughs> There you go. You Three bald men on the radio right now. He still has a uh, you know a black beard. Mine is like I don't know mine's got some years behind it, but it's wisdom. And you know I'm not gonna color it, man. I I'm gonna let it just go gray. Okay. You should. Yeah, I um I I embrace that. But what I was saying before, when um uh, the 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 possibility of certain uh, communities not wearing a helmet, I I felt upset about it because, like, how can you not protect your noggin? But then I thought, after what happened for the last two years in which, uh, you know, liberties are kind of being eroded aggressively, I thought, you know, no. No, let people do what they have to do. Let people be them. You know, that's, when I, whenever I go to Florida, I see people riding without a helmet all the time, and that's freedom right there. You know, if you're going to go, riding your motorcycle, and something happens to you because you don't have a helmet. I, you, you go happy, man. <laughs> you know, if you have the wind in your head, the sun just burning your bald scalp. Why not? Well, you know, so it's, it's not a bad way to go. When you think about it. You know, it's anyways as good as the other. But uh, you know, it's how you embrace it. You know, if if you want to get a tan, go for a motorcycle on a t-shirt. You know, your arms just burn immediately. The wind will give you a quicker tan than the sun itself. Did you know this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you see all people in Florida tan, you know, 40, 50-year-olds tan their way into their 80s. (laughs) They look like Louis Vuitton bags. (laughs) I know. It's nasty. (laughs) You know somebody's been in Florida for too long. (laughs) Whether I like it or not, I'm a tan, so... It's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you naturally tan. That's different, though. Well, you no, know, it's my family people... name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that is true. <laughs> you know, I one time I wanted to make my teeth whiter, but I decided not to, and I just got a tan instead, and it had the same effect. <laughs> it's a principle of contrast. <laughs> but, you know, you, you see immediately uh, snowbirds when they come back. They come back orange. So, said, yeah, I know. Whereabouts in Florida you stayed? You know right away. But you know, there's there's something to be said about you know tanning your way into your 80s. I'm a sun worshiper. I I I, I can't do any winter activities. I can't. I can. Do you guys do any winter activity? I can't do it. No, I'm, it's too cold. I can't do it. Um, I can't even go for a walk.
2: One no. in particular that I like to do because you know I'm a former hockey player is I like to go skating like at a community
1: rink kind of thing. Yeah, you're weird. Anyone that wants to put something slippery between themselves and the ground, it's got mental problems, well, well and, the th- and that includes all hockey players.
2: Well, the thing is, Greg, when once you're used to it, it's a lot of fun. Once you get comfortable with it, it's re- you, it's really freeing to go on onto the ice and just skate.
1: I'm sure it is, but if I can't do it without a shirt on or in shorts, it's not fun for me. <laughs> I can't, and uh, you you don't want to go skiing like that people no. <laughs> people look at you funny <laughs> I
2: I'll tried like, snowboarding once if you wore those clothes skiing they'd probably be like
1: yeah tourist there's a tourist right there <laughs> I went snowboarding once I, I did not like it at all and I have never had skis on me uh, I tried to do skating and that, n- yeah, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm Latino, man. I, I, <laughs> I like to have a solid footing on the ground. You know, if it's not dancing and if it's not hot and if it's not music and maybe a good laugh from time to time, I, I don't, I don't want to do it. You know, cold weather activities depress me. <laughs> they, they always have. Have you ever gone skiing, jody I used to, when I was little, Yeah. Um, my what husband happened? Died. it was too cold. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then my crazy. husband tried to take me skating. I think I just went once or twice and that's about it, but he's more outdoors than I am even during the summer and winter. Yeah, I know. As soon as the sun comes out, I'm out and I'm, 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 I try to be out, you know, whether it's the balcony, you know, the yard, trails, motorcycle, you name it, the water, I don't care. I'm out. So what's your favorite thing to do during the summer outside? Just look at the sun. Look at the sun? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just go yeah. out in shorts and flip-flops and no shirt and just walk my dog or, you know, just have a conversation. You know, smoking a cigar and sipping back some scotch with a wonderful person in an awesome conversation is one of my favorite things to do.
2: Nice. Um, nice.
1: You know, I am. Um, yeah, it's just enjoying, you know, the universe for whatever it's worth. And whenever the sun is out, I just I feel happier right away. But, uh, you know, it's, it's that time of the day, folks. Um, we need to wind the show down And uh, what a what an amazing three hours Important people being here on the show Just activating conversation And, and hopefully you picked something up From today's show um, Just remember that I love you all You know, each and every one of you Except two You know who you are I don't love you Basement dweller I know you're my best And biggest fan I love you Get out, man Get a girlfriend Leave your mother's basement <laughs> and for everyone else before you make any car buying decisions you know exactly where you need to come and see me Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity you know why there's something happening there at OakvilleNissan.com
3: And doubts given everything inside and out, and they strange, surreal, and dark. Think of the tender things that we were working
2: on. It's been an honor serving with you all. Autobots, roll out.